I have an hour-long lunch break. I spent the entire lunch break basically talking about how The Rise of Skywalker ruined my love for Star Wars. <laughs> and he was, like, just nodding politely the whole, like, the time. I was like, oh, is this, is this good or bad? I don't know. It's, it's did hard having... Still, did he still talk to you after that? I guess so. Like, I think it went well. Okay. When you're a professional fireman, you'll be honest, brave, and free. The soul of decency. You'll be loyal and fair and on the square, and most importantly, when you're a professional pilot, you're always in the best of company. Welcome to Brokusatsu, Two Brothers Exploration of Tokusatsu Shows and Associated Media. And... Also, One Piece, Netflix. I'm Harry. Uh, Sure. I'm Harry. And I'm Sam. And I would like to apologize to my extended friends and family. Because the thing is, like, I've been working a side job for the past few weeks. And that side job has ended. And it was on Thursday evenings. And I've rather grown accustomed to having Thursday evenings to myself. So... I'm going to be continuing to talk friend and family commitments just to have Thursdays for myself for the foreseeable. You see, I didn't even know you had, like, a side gig. My my DMing job. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, so I guess, like, we're having a zero-sum thing where, like, I'm being forced into more social situations and you're extracting yourself from some of them. Like, it's it's interesting how life goes. Hell yeah, like... You know that meme gif, uh, start a rogue one of, uh, uh, Jin's, that, uh, Galen Urso saying, you know, it's a peaceful life. Like, I just, I need a little bit of that in my life. And that's what my Thursdays are going to be. Just Thursdays fucking off doing nothing. So it's start a rogue, then who is the metaphorical stormtroopers coming in to murder your wife? Uh, that would be Nate. Ah, gotcha. I was trying to think if there were any murdered wives in these episodes. I guess not. But anyway, speaking of uh, One Piece Netflix, let's talk about One Piece Netflix. <laughs> I'm sure there's murdered wives at some point. Like, there's murderers. Speaking of roving bands of murderers. Let's talk uh, about One Piece Netflix. Uh, so we start with the crew. You know, they got the, the going merry. Uh, mm-hmm. And Luffy... Should we recap where we like ended the previous episode? Or... They, they got the ship. Oh, like the, yeah. Sam, we don't... Sam, we recapped the previous episode in the previous episode. Why do you keep wanting to, like, go further and further back? Like, we I don't just, know. It's we been a while. I don't know how to do this, Harry. We've only been doing this for, like, five years. I know I haven't, as of this episode, edited and released the last one yet, but, like, we did record it. That's fair. Okay. That, that means it's as fresh to my mind as it is to yours. So, they got a ship at the end of the previous episode, and as it ended, they were getting assaulted by Marines, and Luffy said, Grandpa? Yeah, because it turns out that uh, Monkey D. Luffy's grandpa is Monkey D. Garp. Wait, his... I I guess I missed that. Garp's first name is Monkey D? Uh, I think think so. Like... Is this one of those universes where, like, surname is, like, first name? You mean, like, Japan? I suppose so. Yeah, it's Monkey D. Garp. And D is is not... And D is his middle initial, kind of. Uh, I haven't gotten deep enough into the series, but I think there's actually some importance to having, like, a 
a middle initial D in the setting. This is a manga with a thousand issues. They've gone to some very, very world-building places. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so uh, there is a flashback to when Luffy was a young child and like he was fantasizing about being a pirate and then his grandpa stormed and broke the bone and says, No, you will join the army. Mm-hmm. Uh, this yeah. is toned down a lot from the comics. It seems pretty over the top in live act. Like, what did he do in the comics, Harry? Well, A, one thing is that because it's like a Looney Tunes universe, not in like an abusey way, but he does like smack his, smack the kids a lot. But like in a cartoony way. A cartoony, not at all abusive uh, family dynamic way. Yeah, like uh, Homer choking Bart Simpson's the first couple seasons. I was supposed to like recently where I think he stopped doing it. But anyways. Uh, <laughs> uh, also... He kind of, like, abandoned Luffy in the woods with some bandits. I'm not sure if they bring that up here. But, like, he he had lots of irons in the fire, but he did basically show up in Monkey's life to yell at him to not be a pirate and then leave. And he hoped everything would turn out well. But no, it didn't. Because now it's the present day. And, uh, you know, Garp has a big steel battleship bearing down on him. Yep, and firing cannons. And uh, the the crew, you know, they they scuttle to stations, but it becomes very clear that you know they don't know what the fuck they're doing yet. Usopp kind of sucks in the series, like like because they they took out the thing with him helping the last fight because they took out the side character that he helped with, and now he doesn't even know how to load or fire the cannon. Like that's the thing that that he kind of knew how to do in the comic. So like he's just a comedic foil character who does not help and. Like, sucks up time, and I don't like him yet. He might know how to load and fire a cannon if he was not currently being shot at. Like, there is a certain, like, oh god, we're about to die panic setting in on the character. I'm just saying, like, there's another character that we have an improved version of in this episode, but Usopp, I, you know, it's not, like, stark, but I am hitting the point of the series where I'm finding more to criticize. And that's fair. That is fair. Um, but anyway, so Usopp struggles to uh, load the cannons. Uh, Nami's, like, trying to steer the ship. And uh, the Admiral and a monkey are just yelling at each other from ship to ship. And so eventually Garp gets fed up and decides to start throwing the cannonballs. At which point uh, uh, Luffy blows himself up like a balloon and shoots the cannonball back at their ship. Yeah, which takes out one of the masts. And so uh, Nami steers them into a fog bank, and they are able to disengage from the Marines. Uh, Gar- Garp, like, it, he freaks out. He He's doing, like, he has, like, a kind of psychotic laughter thing they're doing in these episodes, which is, like, I don't know, it's, like, a weird, because his character is, like, a meathead in the comics, and now he's, like, kind of philosophical, so it's, like, it's a weird juxt- juxtaposition. I mean, like, they're... They play him very cool in most situations, but then when he's, like, dealing directly with uh, with his grandson, he's clearly losing it. Like, his family is getting under his skin. The Straw Hats, they get lost in the fog, and they're trying to, you know, Nami cannot see anything with her sextant, they can't navigate, but uh, Luffy can vaguely smell, like, butter and meat and spices and stuff like that. He can tell someone's cooking out there. And so they steer towards the smell of food, and they come across, like, is this, like, a, this is, like, a permanent fixture, right? Like, this is on, 
this is like anchored in spot, this particular restaurant, right? Oh, uh, you know, I I don't think I'm not sure if it's like anchored or maybe it has like a like a predictable course or something, kinda of like a cruise ship or something. But it's like a known fixture in these seas, the the floating restaurant, Barity. Okay, okay. Uh but yeah, it's a, a giant, like either uh semi permanent dock or floating series of ships. That is a massive restaurant, resort, hotel, just everything an aspiring pirate crew could want. And there's like a couple dozen ship stock there. It's like business is booming. Yeah, and and uh it like all the the customers here, they are kind of of the of the upper class. It's a it's a very fine dining joint. They they have like a the the waiter who greets people as they come in. He's dressed all in white and very nice and put together. He's also a fish man. So they sit down at a table and uh, start to order food, and we cut to the kitchen where we meet the fifth member, the fifth member of the team. Yeah, it's Sanji, and he's cooking up uh, a special meal. It's elephant tuna, seared asparagus, and a sweet soy reduction. And, the, and it looks which, fucking amazing. Unfortunately, it's not what he was supposed to make, but as Sanji says, like, if I have to sling one more prime rib medium well, I'm gonna fucking die here. <laughs> like, the, the the shop talk between Sanji and the other chefs is really good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is a Netflix, like, writing team that has watched a lot of The Bear. So, Sanji is fed up. He doesn't want to do things the cook way, the cook's way. Uh, Zeph, and Zeph, you know, shouts back at him, well, fuck you, you know, you're fucking up, uh, the order, so you're not, you're not cooking anymore, just go out and work some tables. And so he puts on a nice dapper suit, and is an excellent, uh, an excellent host, and just starts to, uh, cool some heads at the table, there's a couple pirates that are trying to beef, get in a fight, and, you know, he walks right over, gets in between them, and tries to de-escalate to the best of his ability. He says, hey, no fighting in the barity, but, you know, this can, we can resolve this. How about I give, you know, each of you a nice drink on the house, you know, just to calm things down. And the pirates say, yeah, sure, after we kill each other. So he, like, kicks them out of the way. Uh, he, he His fighting style, like, it saves his hands. Because he doesn't mention them explicitly, but uh, Chef's life is his hands, so he doesn't fight with them. He just, he, he doesn't punch or hit people, he just kicks. I see, so... Alright, I I guess I didn't... I mean, I noticed that he was, like, doing a lot of kicks, but I guess I didn't clock how intentional that was. Yeah, he, he doesn't punch people. That's that's why I freaked out in the first couple episodes when Zoro kicked a dude, because I was still adjusting, like, no, that's what Sanji does, and that's all Sanji does. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, after the... Uh, uh, after seeing Sanji prove his prowess against this pair of, pilot, uh, pair of pirates... He goes over to the uh, straw hat table, uh, hits on Nami immediately, which I understand is rather his entire character in the comics. Well, like, he is he is super simpy over women. Like, I didn't have the time to reread the comics for this section, but, like, he really? is, like... Not all thousand issues? Uh, well, no, no, this is just this, this section of, like, 20 or so, especially because this... I think this arc... It's funny, because, like, the arc of the comic, like... The other than the Mihawk fight, which we'll get to, is entirely different. Like it's an extended fight with the Don Krieg pirates. That's it. Okay. And, yeah, and then also like some explaining of Sanji's backstory, but like it's entirely different. 
Uh, but Sanji in the comics, whenever he sees an attractive woman, like, he gets hearts in his eyes and he's, like, very simpy over them. He's like, oh, beautiful woman, I'll do whatever you want. Uh, but in this, he instead just suavely just kind of, like, you know, uh, offers her some nice drinks. And I'm not sure if they were going for it, but, like, every, uh, you know, Luffy orders, like, one of everything on the menu. Zoro orders some drinks. And... <laughs> Nabi, who's being hit on, aggressively says, just give me plain water, because I don't want anything in it. <laughs> Nami is the best. So at this point, we cut back to uh, the damaged uh, marine vessel. Uh, they're saying that it's going to take a considerable amount of time to repair, uh, you know, repair their mast and get back underway, and they've clearly lost track of the pirates. Uh, Garp, he turns down some calls to call re- reinforcements from a nearby base, probably because he wants to do this on his own. So instead, he puts in a call to Mihawk. Mihawk is this Zoro motherfucker with a giant, like, buster sword. Yeah. Well, you can't say Zoro motherfucker because there's a character on the show called Zoro. Okay, fair enough. Um, like, a he's Spaniard a sword- conquistador. Yeah, he's Dracula Mihawk. He's definitely not a vampire. Uh,. He, he's a swordsman who has a, a giant sword on his back. Uh, he doesn't have a shirt. He's got a really pointy mustache. And he is the first warlord we meet, because I was incorrect. Uh, Arlong is not actually a warlord, but they explain the system later. He is... So, Mihawk is a semi-legitimate pirate, which in his case, it really is almost like... Mihawk doesn't really do pirate stuff. Like, he doesn't raid bases or like rob people like he goes around being a swordsman challenging people to fights and maybe earning some money that way but like he just takes on all comers because he's the best of the world and legitimately the the government probably gave him this title just so people would stop challenging him and getting killed yeah as we're introduced to him he is destroying a pirate fleet like the whole fleet Single-handedly. Yep, Don Krieg, uh, he who, like, just shows up briefly and, like, has, like, two guns and also a short, shoulder cannon. This whole, the whole Saji arc is him showing up with his crew to the Barati and, like, getting food and trying to, like, regain strength to go back to the Grand Line. Uh, and, like, there's an intricate fight with, like, Don Krieg. He has different types of weapons. He has, like, nerve gas. He has, like, a spear that's also a bomb. He has different multi-levels of armor uh he also has like a weird pretty racist tribal uh henchman who sets himself on fire when he gets angry but anyway uh in the show mihawk just kills him yeah just lays waste to the entire fleet of pirates like he's destroying ships with a single sweep of his sword like harry did the did the main characters ever reach this level of power Really? That's the the crazy thing. Like, he is at the power level that the characters are, like, reaching after a thousand issues, but the author did know to include him this early to kind of show, like, no, this is the peak. Like, a lot of times in anime, they introduce a character that's, like, the strongest ever at something, and then they beat him, so then the author has to, like, keep going, like, no, Oda... He, when he introduces the character that's the strongest at something, he'll show him early, and then you don't fight him for 500 issues. Hmm. Like, you gotta work your way up. Okay, so this is, in theory, about the peak. Yeah, he, he is... He is one of the best in the world at this. Well, he's the best swordsman in the world. 
Okay. Like, specifically at, like, Swordscraft. Like, there might be other better fighters in general or better at certain situations, but at, at Dueling Dudes with Swords, he has the greatest skill and ability. Mm-hmm. And he also, as far as I know, is human. Well, I mean, human vampire or... I, I, I don't think he's actually a vampire. I think he's just, like, super vampire-themed. He's named Dracula, he has yellow eyes, not a vampire. I don't know, man. It's a weird world. Fair enough. Back in the restaurant, uh, we get to the Straw Hat crew, and uh, they are finishing their dinner, and they have had a delightful time. And uh, Monkey tries to pay with a check, (laughs) saying that they will uh, come back later with money from the One Piece. Yeah. Did he actually think that would work? I don't know, maybe. Like, he's kind of like a dreamer, so I think maybe he just thought he'd try it. Uh, cause I mean, he, he just does dishes for all, but like, they got like a lot of food and I don't know why everybody else, like, did everybody else actually pay for their meals and only him cheaped out? Because they don't have to do dishes. Like when the, when the chef comes out and like grabs Luffy, throws him in the kitchen, I think everyone knew who was in charge of this crew. Like Luffy is the captain. I guess. But yeah, so, uh, Luffy is in the kitchen and he spots the discarded, uh, seared tuna. Uh, that uh, Sanji uh, made earlier, and he, of course, devours it, because he's Luffy. Yeah, it, it's still really great. Even after it's been sitting discarded for, like, a couple hours. I don't know. Yeah, just, like, a big chunk of raw fish sitting in dishwasher, uh, in dishwater for, like, an evening. Delicious! <laughs> Luffy, you ate a big pot of poison, like, one episode ago. <laughs> I I guess it is in his character to not like not learn this lesson. Even though the show is like trying to show some growth for him in the comic, he very much never learns in any way. Oh, but Harry, Harry, what lesson would he learn? That he can eat stuff off the ground that would kill other people and be just fine? Yeah, he's learned his lesson. So, uh the crew, they're like the rest of the crew, they're off to the side, doing like having some drinks, you know, just hanging out. Nami is still freaking out because Luffy's grandpa is a a vice admiral, one of the highest ranked marines in the fleet, and this is definitely a lot more attention than she was hoping they were getting. Cut back briefly to the marine uh, ship. And uh, our dear uh, bespeckled friend is starting to have some serious doubts about how the admiral is handling the situation. Uh, so this is where Helmeppo explains the warlord system, like they're pirates that were legitimized, and so now, in theory, they don't do any more crimes, and in return, like, uh, the previous crimes are forgotten, and the government can, like, give them some orders. Spoiler alert, every one of them is still doing crimes and, like, defying the government to some extent. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's very much the CIA hiring gangsters to, like, do deals for them. Like, occasionally they'll do just enough to make it seem like they're towing the line, but... No, they're getting their own. Yeah. Which, I mean, frankly, the government's probably fine with. Like, it encourages them to keep a slightly lower profile. Yeah, I mean, it's actually... it. It's a fantastic setting, but that's a real-ass thing that makes a lot of sense. And Kobe is shocked by this, saying, like, they're supposed to be fighting pirates, and Helmop says, like, you know, what world do you think this is? You know you know how to, like, tie a knot and rig a sail, but you don't know shit about how the world works. Uh, cut back to the restaurant. Uh, Sanji is having a dark night of the soul uh, in the corner, just like nursing a drink. Uh, 
Luffy sees him and says that the tuna is like the best thing he's ever eaten. Oh, and so they get to talking about how, uh, you know, why Sanji, why he's even here and what Sanji wants. And Sanji says, uh, he, he talks about the all blue, which is like a mythical thing somewhere in the world that uh, supposedly has like all uh, the best ingredients from everywhere on the planet all the regions and like because that's the chef's dream he really wants to go and find it harry is this a world where like the best of every single category is kind of lumped into a single unit and hidden somewhere in the land i mean it would not at all be crazy that there is like a place where like a little bit of fish from everywhere is put somewhere like it's it, it would be the strangest thing no that would be pretty strange no sam there's weird stuff with the setting fair enough okay like they, they they start foreshadowing Skypea in the next episode, Sam, and that's that's fucking some stuff to get into. Okay, uh, uh, I will probably forget about what you just said. But yeah, a uh, half-dead pirate stumbles into the kitchen at this point, um, and Sanji starts to cook up a meal. One of the other uh, workers there says, what the hell are you doing? This is going to piss off the chef. But Sanji says that everyone eats at Barbies, or Baratrees. Yeah, so he just he uses some like leftover leftover ingredients, makes his, makes him some fried rice, which honestly seems pretty fair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just like a a good solid meal to get him back on his feet, which works, you know. And so he's telling him about how his ship was destroyed. Fifty ships, five thousand men, all taken out by one man in one day, Draku Mihawk, and that's not that unusual for the Grand Line. It's a place where you know monsters live they kill hundreds thousands of people like it's nothing like that's the kind of place they're going and he tells luffy you know don't don't go there just save yourself it's not worth dying for uh now i do think we skipped a little bit past a scene where nami uh was seen talking to another captain possibly booking passage away from the crew yeah yeah we skipped past that yes we did it was it was a collective it was a pair you're in this with me, Harry. Okay, so from now on, anytime you skip past something, I will halt the conversation and say, Sam, here's the thing you skipped. But only important plot critical things. And Is it way, all that important? Not really. <laughs> but it, it shows that uh, it shows that she's wavering a little bit. Like, you know, uh, she her faith in the crew is shaken. So like Usopp, he goes off to, you know, just boast some more like a drinking idiot and Nabi and Zoro continue to have some real chemistry in this show. Like it, they, nobody really gets shipped in the comics, but I feel like the producers of this show are shipping this pair pretty hard. Well, they are two very good looking people. Like, it's not like, it's not like a crazy ship. Also, I mean like they, they might just have good work chemistry, but anyway, uh, like, uh, Nami's talking about like how this crew it's kind of falling apart and Zoro's you know like nobody here really knows anything and Zoro says well I figured it out a long time ago so they start a game of like you know I guess something about you and you know whoever whoever wins or loses they drink uh, cut back to the marine ship and uh, dear old Kobe confronts the admiral about his uh, misgivings yeah, yeah, Admiral, finishing a whole plate of T-bone steaks, says, you know, yeah, you know, the world is unfair, uh, we let some pirates go, and also the ocean is wet. It's, it sucks. Uh, there's, like, 
I could have been the fleet admiral years ago, but I turned down promotions because I keep doing things my way and I won't be let, able to do that. And this is true in setting. Like, uh, Garp is known to be strong, like, as strong or stronger than people above him in rank when, like, that doesn't happen much, largely because he, like, isn't super on board with everything the higher ups do. Uh, you know, but Marines are still important. They're all that stand between order and anarchy, and, you know, we are important. We serve a purpose. Cut back to the restaurant, and uh, uh, Usopp at the bar, just, you know, talking shit. And our dear human pirates, uh, human vampire pirate, whatever. Yeah, Mihawk. Mihawk. He's looking for the pirate, uh, for the straw hat, and uh, Zoro sees him and immediately challenges him to a duel to the death. Yeah, because which Zoro... seems like a bad move. Yeah, it's funny because like Dracula Mihawk, he's he's kind of half-heartedly trying to do the orders. Uh, he's been given, but when Zoro recognizes him and says, like, you're the world's strongest swordsman, Mihawk kind of sighs and says yes, because he has to deal with this all the time. Like, people make a name by challenging him. And so, Zoro says, like, I'm, I'm gonna kill you tomorrow morning, I challenge you officially to a duel, and Mihawk accepts. Just very, like, I, I genuinely really liked, like, the acting and the characterization of Mihawk. Like, he's just so kind of soft-spoken and just over it all the time like he's the best he knows he's the best like this is a guy who hasn't sweated in years yep he he has absolutely nothing to prove like in in a way he has like achieved his dream uh that the other pirates like are seeking like he's at the end of his road and he's just looking for something that's kind of interesting so accept the duel and see what happens all right so it's the next morning. Uh, Nami is off, maybe going away on a ship like that. She hired hired some people to let her go on. No, she's not. But anyway, no, she's there for the duel. And so I believe the entire remainder of the episode is a duel between Miha and Zoro. Yeah, which is one hundred percent comic accurate, by the way. I mean. This happens in the middle of the fight with Don Krieg and his pirates, because, like, Mihawk, he just killed them, kind of, he ruined their shit off-screen, and then he just shows up in, like, a canoe, just, like, floating around, bored, and just casually kills a lot more of them, saying, yeah, yeah, they they woke me up and I was annoyed. And But then this happens, uh, so Zoro has challenged him, he's got swords out, and Mihawk pulls out a super tiny dagger. From, like, across around his neck. He just, like, it's it's maybe an inch and a half long blade. Yeah. Zoro objects, but Mihawk says, I don't hunt rabbits with a cannon. You gotta earn, you know, my attention. And they duel. And it goes very poorly for Zoro. <laughs> yeah, like, Zoro comes in with, like, a double attack, and Mihawk stops it just in place with the tiny little dagger. Like, he can read his movements. He's got strength, the ability to stop him. He kind of, like, toys with them, plays around with Zoro for a bit, but, you know, from moment one, Zoro has no chance. Zero shot. Like, there's a point where Zoro charges forward and Mihawk stabs him in the chest. Um, I think in the comic it was directly over his heart, in this version it's on the other side, but, like, the effect is still there of, like, he's, like, pressed up against his vital organs and Mihawk says, why, you know, if you keep coming forward, it's gonna, like, break into your shit and kill you, and Zoro refuses to back back down 
and back off. Miha pulls out his big sword for the finishing blow. Yeah, he, he says, you know, uh, you're, you're truly impressive. I'll give you the honor of being killed by Yoru. And so they charge. Uh, Zoro swings and his swords are shattered. Yeah. Shattered the, completely. The the two, like, the, the two, two unimportant ones. Yeah. Uh, Wada Ichimaji is, is still intact. And so uh, Zoro is sad, but he gets up and, like, stares Mihawk in the face and says, you know, wounds on the back are swordsman's, you know, greatest dishonor, so kill me from the front. And Mihawk, like, says, that's magnificent, and sloshes a huge gash on his chest. But very into, I mean, we've seen Mihawk shatter a ship without breaking a sweat. He kept him alive. Yeah, like, he, I mean, I think he gave him a blow that could kill him. Like, but, like, you know, left it up to him. If he wanted him, like, truly dead, there would there would be two Zeros. And then he fucks off. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, he says, you know, hey, hey, Luffy, I really didn't care about this, and the world's more interesting with you in it, so go ahead, you know. Mm-hmm. I believe he tells Zoro to grow strong. Yep, yeah, and that's that's episode one. Uh, it, it ends, it, it's more explicit in the comic. He says that if he ever loses a fight again, he will commit seppuku. Cool. So, nothing but winning from here on in? Yeah, like, I mean, th- there's ways... He, he never definitively loses again, I think. Like, you know, sometimes fights get interrupted or something. But, like, once a one-on-one duel, he does kind of have to keep a streak going. Fair enough. Uh, as uh, the next episode begins, Zoro is dragged into the kitchen. Uh, the chef is there, like, you know, the very cranky chef. But, you know, this is a wounded man. Uh, Sanji is, like, telling him to help him. And he does. He gets some, uh, uh, he gets some fish skin and some... Uh, some thread and sews up the wound. Yeah, I, that's not a real thing, right? I don't know, but it ain't crazy. I mean, skin grafts are a thing, but that's with like your that's human to human skin he, graft, yeah. And like, there are weird specific things of like, I know. All right, this is not a, not exactly the same thing, but there's some ants you can use to like. Uh, as sutures, because, like, they'll pinch the sides of a wound closed, and then you snap their heads off, and then it'll stay pinched. Like, that's actually a real thing. But, like, I don't think you should sew fish into people. I'm going to quickly Google fish skin bandage. Alright. Yeah, it's 100% a real thing. What, really? Apparently works pretty good. Bullshit, hold on. I mean, I'll just let you do it because... Uh, I thought it was going to get some weird-ass results that I didn't want to see. Mm-hmm. Fuck, it's real. It is real. That's annoying. <coughs> That's cool. Yeah, I guess. Alright. Uh, so, Mihawk, he goes to... He shows up at Garp's uh, office, and Garp complains, you know, says, like, Hey, I gave you a direct order. You serve at the pleasure of the world government without their protection. And Mihawk just cuts him off and says, I would do exactly what I want to do, same as I'm doing right now. Your protection doesn't really matter to me. This is why I think, like, the government just gave him the title so people would stop bothering him. But, yeah. So, uh, exit Miha until, sounds like, season 10 or something, when Zoro is as strong as him. 
yeah, I forget which he shows up occasionally at certain points. Like there, there's like uh, you know, an end game like the portals moment. Like there's been several like full on wars that have been like increasing in in intensity, and he has like kind of been involved in some of those. I should think so. He's a weapon of mass destruction. Then there's the rest of this episode that I really don't like. Uh, well, okay, there's there's the Sanji backstory, which they get into, which which is fine. Well, uh, so, I mean, Zora's laid up for the rest of the episode. Like, you know, he's unconscious. People will, will occasionally go in and talk to him. Um, but yeah, we do get a lot of Sanji background. Uh, so Sanji, uh, he, he was like a junior cook on a, he was a junior cook on a, like, restaurant ship, or, or just like on a ship, uh, like a cruise ship or whatever. In the comic, he was a bit different because he was specifically, like, kind of, like, really picky about food and, like, kind of throwing away bad stuff. Like, his moral is, like, to never, ever waste food, and that's a thing that is his big thing. Like, he'll serve anybody food anytime, which is still kind of carried forward, but that's, like, a deal with those pirates that showed up. Like, the hungry pirates that then went on to attack the restaurant, he would still feed them, even knowing they were going to betray him because, like, nobody should ever starve. Uh, this It's more of, like, him being, like, a fancy chef who wants to like make like the best thing and has a dream of it uh he, he's a he's like just a tiny little kid uh he's cooking a velouté sauce uh and but the ship is raided by the cook pirates yes and uh then a storm hits or whatever and uh both ships are lost and so he is stranded on a rocky outcrop with this one just one pirate with big old braided mustache Yep, Red Legs F, who was known for walking around in the blood of his victims. So much that he was, like, leaving bloodstains as we see him. So they have to strike up a uneasy alliance to survive on the rock. Zeph, uh, he woke up before the kid and says, Alright, we're in kind of a bad situation. This is, We have some food, this is all we're gonna get. So here's your bag, here's mine. You go over to the other side of the rock. If you see a ship, flag it down. If not, leave me the fuck alone. And it turns out that he gave the kid all the food, and he eats his own leg to survive. All right, Google that to see if that makes sense, because I, I am fairly certain. In all right, in in the comic heightened thing, you can willpower through hunger, but you do have caloric needs in real life, and I don't think you can. I don't think you would gain more from eating your own leg after you chop it off. Yeah, I mean, uh, being wounded takes a lot of calories. Yeah. It is a very calorie-intensive thing. That said, a leg is a big old chunk of meat. Yeah. I'll I'll put it as, I guess, not impossible. I mean, though, like, it's 70 days, and they really drag that out. Like, I think Sanji is, like, running out of regular food at day, like, 20, like, 25 or 30. But, hey, that's, that's the backstory. That's how he uh, came into the service of this particular pirate who saved his life. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we just... It, it's its a lot longer and more, like, dramatic in the in the show, but, like, I, that's, I just watched the show at that point. Why are we doing this, Sam? Why are we doing this, Harry? Uh, but, yeah, so cut back to the breach. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, I just broke for a moment. I just had, like, a moment of clarity. Let's get away from that. Uh, we, it is easier to do this talkback podcast about bad stuff. Yeah. This is just kind of competent. 
these episodes were very competent. All right. Uh, so there's a lot of, you know, uh, Luffy is like kind of in denial about uh, Zoro being in danger and maybe almost dying. And Nami's a lot of pointing out like, hey, he could have died. You, you could have stopped him. You, you had the ability to like, you know, pull him back from what he was doing. And Luffy says, I would do anything to save him or save my crew, but I'm not going to stand in some, someone stand in the way of someone's dream. Like if that's what they really want, then I can't take that away from them. And that's, that's fair. Yeah. But Nami really doesn't like seeing people take self-sacrificing choices for some reason. Perhaps feeling just a little bit guilty. Yeah. Uh, quick scene on the Marine ship. Uh, don't think anything important happens there. Hey, the uh, Marines, it's lots of wheel spinning of like, hey, I know you want Luffy to be a Marine and like stopping a pirate, but he's going to be a pirate. And he's like, you're right. And that, at the end of this episode, he's like, all right, we're going to go after Luffy some more. Mm-hmm. Like, go after him even harder. No yeah. gloves. But... From what I know in the comic, that doesn't happen, Zoro, unless they're changing a lot of stuff, then, like, he's just lying again. Well, then, like, um, this whole, like, Cody subplot is, like, created for the TV show, right? Yeah, like, I don't like the Cody subplot. Like, this episode is... So let's skip over it and get on to the pirate punching. Yeah. Well, Arlong shows up to the Baratti. Super, like... Alright, here's the other part of me not liking this episode. I'm worried about Arlong. Because, you know, the actor, big and imposing, but, like, he's got a lot of makeup, and he doesn't seem to be able to, like, fight well. Like, the fight scenes with Arlong suck. Okay. He moves moves very awkwardly. And, like, just kind of awkward punches. Like, he is, like, a super strong, super acrobatic guy who could, like... Do all kinds of shit. I I haven't really read it, but like it was super three-dimensional the fights between him and Luffy. And this one he just shows up and it's just kind of like it's like in uh Smallville season one, where like it's just a lot of Clark throwing the person with weird meteor powers away, like every so often, and then they hit him for a while. It's just kind of that. Resuming past, like, there was a, a reveal that I did quite like where um the reason that Arlong was able to track Luffy is that he has the clown's head in his backpack and the clown stuck an ear into Luffy's cap. Oh yeah, he's got eyes and ears everywhere. In a very literal sense. Yeah, and also, also Buggy's makeup seems to be getting progressively more and more smeared as he's just stuffed in a bag by different characters. Which is actually in keeping with his character. Like, he's kind of, he's kind of continually used by other people. Mm-hmm. He's having a, like, I'm feeling, he's still very much a bad guy, but man, he's going through it. All right. So, yeah. Uh, Arlong says, let the fight begin at 32 minutes. And there's just awkward punching. Yep, awkward punching. And they're doing it on a dock. And that's like a bad idea because Luffy loses his powers when exposed to salt water. Which this guy very much realizes and takes advantage of. So, you know, he splashes Luffy and then kicks him into the drink. Like, I guess there's some stuff, like... So Arlong, in, in the... This is actually a change the the creator wanted to make. Because Oda wasn't sure if he was going to be allowed to do, like, his 
racism analogs and stuff, so it wasn't really brought up, but fishmen are super put down upon. Like, they are... Like, they're literally enslaved in parts of the world. Like, that was made illegal a couple years ago. And it still kind of happens in specific situations. But, like, Arlong is a fishman supremacist instead. Because he says they're naturally stronger and hardier than humans, which is, like, kind of true. I mean, it's... Again, it's a setting with really weird situations. Draco Mihawk is 100% human and can still do the shit he does. So, like, you know, mm-hmm. maybe they have a slightly different starting point, but... Feels like there's exceptions in both directions. Pretty much their only drawback is that they really like being in water, so almost none of them are willing to eat devil fruits. What would happen if one ate a devil fruit? Uh, they, they just can't go in the water. Like, they... They could live for... Ex- I, I was getting the impression that they had to be in water. Like, I can... So, the the point at where I stopped reading the comic, just because, like, I got distracted with other stuff, is when they were going to, like, the Fishman Island to really deal with them. And there was one Fishman villain who they were going to have to fight who had a devil fruit power. And, it like, he, he enjoyed having it because, like, it was useful, but... It was super fucked up for him because in his, like, underwater world, he had to be kept around in kind of like a bubble. And I think he had to just, like, wet himself down just so he wouldn't dry out. That sucks. It'd be like if we... Like, had to live in a spacesuit all the time? Yeah, kinda. Yeah, that's shit. But yeah, so, end of the fight, um, Arlong has Luffy, like, you know, defeated... Nami shows up, says, hey, Arlong, I remember I'm your crew. Uh, I got the map. Turns out I'm, I'm betraying the Straw Hat team. I've been working for you all along. Uh, by the way, just throw Luffy in the water instead of biting his head off. And Arlong does it. I, I don't know. It's, you know, it's Nami doing a parting gift to Luffy also, saving his life. Arlong is a lot dumber in this than in the comic because, like, Alright, Nami obviously really likes the Straw Hats, and isn't, like, fully flipped. And in the show, Arlong doesn't seem to realize that. But in the comics, 100% Arlong had her read the whole time, and was just kind of doing stuff on the side. Like, he knew that her loyalty was, like, very situational and stuff. Like, he, he knew he... We haven't seen anything that negates that possibility, that negates that read. Eh. Like, he he could be stringing her along, just doing it, doing it quiet. There's two more episodes this season, Harry. We'll know that soon. I guess we'll know, but like... We'll have to see. Alright, uh, so... Uh, Luffy just kind of dejected. He finally is talk talking... To, well, uh, Sanji has a big thing. Well, like he's trying to clean up the restaurant, but the, him and the chef have a big breakdown. Where the chef says, like, hey, I don't want you cleaning stuff off here. I don't even want you really working as a cook. Like, your dream is to go get the all blue. Go do that. Like, this, the Brati, it's not going anywhere. It's just this. Like, I'm just retired, basically. You have a dream. Go follow it. And it's like that, but with a lot more cursing is the whole situation. So he is released to go follow his dream. Luffy goes to have a conversation with the unconscious Zoro. And, you know, is spilling out his heart. And Zoro responds. He has survived. He fully commits to being... Uh, Luffy's first mate and it's going to follow him to the very end and as Luffy's first order they're going after Nami yeah I gotta get the whole crew together 
He's not giving up on her. And they're gonna find Nami with the help of Buggy's head, because they stole him again, I guess. Yep. You know, side note, Terry, like, the actor that plays Buggy, he was, like, a later season main character on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hmm. Cool. And kind of a similarly, like, you know, punch-the-wooby semi-comedic role. Interesting. Maybe that's, you know, they they saw that and decided he would be good for this. I mean, he is good. Like... He seems to be doing, at least from my perspective, he's doing a pretty darn good job as a chaotic clown. Yeah, it's just, I do wonder, because, like, the full hour-long fight of the comic, I will make sure to read all of the stuff before and be caught up and fully able to give it, like, a comparison. But, like, the full hour-long fight has lots of moving parts, like, is three-dimensional in a lot of ways. Like, the the first hour-long, because clearly there's going to be, like, hour-long round two. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, yeah, like, in the comic, at kind of at this point, Nami basically just steals a bunch of treasure from the boat and sneaks off in the middle of the night. Arlong doesn't show up, she goes to Arlong. Okay, so maybe maybe this was just uh, uh, a taster. Maybe, like, the full three-dimensional Arlong fight is coming up. Well, yeah, maybe, but, like, it's just the fighting has been, like, a little stiff and awkward, and we are... It is gonna be the worst... Because, like, for, for the, the Don Krieg fights, they're pretty forgettable. But still, there was, like, lots of technology and things that would be a little hard to model. Like, not even a lot of it, but still, like, they skip past a lot of it. And I am worried, because if this show is trying to, like... If you have One Piece, and you insert good character writing, good moments, that's good... But the show is largely around crazy superpower fights. And, like, if they're stumbling at Arlong, what the fuck are they going to do when they get to Skypea? Like, the, the the fairy book tale that they're kind of foreshadowing. Like, season two, maybe they could do. But season three is, like, impossible at that point. What is Skypedia? Uh, like Atlantis. Except, okay. Except flying in the fucking sky with giant monsters. Okay. Asked, asked and answered then. Huh. Well, I mean, we'll have to see. We will have to see, Harry. Like, I'm sure they have people in their writing room pulling out their hair over these exact questions now. I think they didn't expect to get renewed. Like, so many Netflix shows get cancelled after one season, they're probably like, eh, we'll get cancelled, whatever. But then they're like, no, it's popular. Are they as chucked as we are that it, it succeeded? <laughs> I mean... Probably. Like, odds were very much against them. Oh, man. We we thought we'd fail before this point. <laughs> uh, <sighs> right. But yeah, that is the episode, and we have two more left. Two more, and then after that, we will start talking. Like, we'll, we'll finish that up next time, and then we'll talk about some of the next stuff we're, we're going to cover. Which I have no idea what it is. Uh... But what is one thing you do know that we're going to do, Sam? I know that we're going to keep dancing. We are going to keep dancing.